0: Hello and welcome to another episode of our Audacious Learning Ways podcast series with Roy and Ian. My name is Ian Tate. We're going to be with you throughout the series, and for those of you who don't know him, Roy is a Delta resident, volunteer board member of the North Delta Business Association, and former president, chief marketing officer, and entrepreneur with over 40 years of successful and unmatched executive leadership experience in every aspect of business. His latest book in the Be Different or Be Dead series is titled... The audacious unheard of ways I took a startup to a billion in sales and we've decided to use it as a guide and cornerstone of our association and we provide a copy of uh, that book for our members and their leadership team free of charge today's how to be different tip is stop benchmarking under the guise of innovation benchmarking aka copying best in class might help you improve efficiency, but it won't make you stand out and be different from your competition. Be a constructive emulator. Find an amazing idea and morph it into something different that works for you. Add your own cool twist to someone else's cool. Good morning, Roy, and a
1: very happy National Animal Cracker Day. (laughs) Morning, Ian. This just cracks me up.
0: Cracker, crack. Is that what you're talking about? Anyway, (laughs) anyway, well, it's on somebody's uh, significant calendar. So, you know, I hope our listeners go reach out and grab a box of animal crackers and take them home and enjoy them themselves or give them to their kids or grandkids.
1: Love them. Yeah.
0: Roy, what is benchmarking and why is it advocated as a tool that businesses should use?
1: So, so benchmarking goes back a long way, which is kind of amazing that it gets, still gets the attention uh, that it, it doesn't deserve, quite frankly, which is a bit of for forecasting or foreshadowing in terms of some of my remarks. Mm-hmm. It actually goes back to the 1950s, and it's rooted in the old total quality management principle that, that was introduced to business at that time. Um, total quality management had uh, principles like do it right the first time, the cost of nonconformance. Uh, and and conforming to requirements being the definition of what quality was. Okay, now it was it was all about determining who was the best in class uh, with respect to a certain organization function or something like that. Like who who does the best? Who's best in class for CRM? Who's best in class for accounts payable, etc. So the idea would be define best in class for a function that you're interested in improving and then try and copy them. So it was essentially a copying algorithm based on based on improving efficiency. Okay, so the whole idea was like if we can avoid inefficient processes we'll save money, right? If we can define the products and service correctly then we won't waste resources. And so if we can get it right the first time, we won't waste money by, by redoing it. And so it was that micro kind of like let's improve efficiency um, idea that was born in the 50s and is still being used today.
0: Hmm. And when I hear the word conforming, I just uh, imagine, you know, two other words, and that's dull sameness. Um, so so I know you've written a great deal about benchmarking. It's covered in the book. Um, and I know you're not a fan of (laughs) you and why you're not a fan of using it. Could you talk more about why you have issues with it, Roy? And, you know, please don't hold back.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, (laughs) it happens to be one of the things that, that inspires me to, to, to be audaciously, you know, object, objectionistic, if you will, in Uh, certain ways but one of the problems I have with it is it started out as, as I descri- described earlier as a tool to improve efficiency. And unfortunately it's, it's being used now as in many respects as, as a tool of strategy. And so it's strayed for it from its initial roots of how to, how to be, be better in terms of efficiency into using it for strategy. And th- the problem with that is uh, it's not a tool of strategy okay, so here's the deal. I mean, if everybody's copying the same company, then all you've got is a herd of copiers of the same company. And so, so strategic advantage disappears. And so you become a, this bigger herd where uh, the amount of differentiation actually gets reduced, mm-hmm. not increased. And therefore it can't be used as, as, as strategy. It doesn't, I'll give you like six kind of like bullets on this. Yep. Um, benchmarking does not encourage innovation how can it when you're copying somebody in fact what it does is takes takes the wind out of out of innovation and creativity sales okay it's that easy to do when you copy somebody you don't have any any uh any any belief or any motivation to do things differently and as a matter of fact it's kind of counter and i mean people actually believe that if you copy somebody doing something that it will create strategic opportunities for you and I keep saying how can that be I mean that doesn't make any sense audaciousness Ian is the difference between copying and creating audaciousness is the difference between conforming and breakthrough thinking audaciousness is the difference between efficiency and effectiveness copying conforming and efficiencies are tools of benchmarking they don't lead to audaciousness they don't lead to strategy and therefore uh, i'm i'm really really concerned uh, the extent to which they're used secondly copying being different or benchmarking doesn't do anything to make you different right it actually buries you uh, okay okay into the herd as as we've just uh, discussed it increases the size of 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 the conformance herd so I mean it actually is counterproductive for somebody that wants to be different and yet uses uh, benchmarking as a tool to do that it just one does not lead to another mm. benchmarking makes you conform it's a it's a tool of conformance and compliance you basically relegate yourself subordinate yourself to somebody else okay so it it actually as soon as you get in that stream It's pretty hard to talk about breaking away. It's pretty hard to talk about creativity and stepping out and doing something bold and audacious when you do that. And as I said, it really has zero strategic value. And I'm not the only one that talks that way. There's a lot of people, you know, informed leaders who have run big businesses that basically say it may be the starting point, okay, of analysis, but it sure as hell isn't the end point. It's not a tool of differentiation. It's the antithesis of differentiation. It prevents it, and it's the enemy of it. And so from a strategic point of view, you need to kind of stay clear of that. I got an interesting quote from a guy that, that I hooked up with on LinkedIn that, that kind of talked about uh, kind of benchmarking as one of the ways, he says, that that organizations Achieve strategic convergence is kind of the way he described it. And he said, over time, most firms end up in the same place. He says, i.e. strategic convergence. This is what happens if you all read the same books, watch the same TED talks, hire the same consultants, except for Roy, and use same case studies. Yeah. This is accelerated if you use benchmarking, which involves watching your competitors' doing and copying them. Emulation gets you to parody, but when everyone does it, it gets you to strategic hell. Thanks, Herman Singh. One of my one of my connections on LinkedIn. I thought he said it so well. He says, look at we got so much of that stuff going on already. But when you add benchmarking to the process, it yeah. just accelerates your destination to strategic hell.
0: Yeah. And, and again, as you say, this is uh, how we do. And well, let's check with the other guys, rank ourselves against them. And if we're not, well, let's copy what they're doing. I mean, it's just it's just a circle, an endless circle. You know, it's a snake eating well, its
1: tail, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that 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 you will hear is when when somebody gets a challenge, the first thing that they do is they will say, well, let's find out what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so let's go to let's go to Google right? And we'll Google CRM or we'll Google accounts payable and we'll find out what other people are doing. And let's get some ideas from that. Okay, that piece is all right. It's yeah. what you do with the ideas that right. I have a problem with. Because if you adopt them, okay, in and of themselves, then you're entering strategic hell, right? Yeah. As Herman would say, however, there are some things that you can do with those ideas that make sense. What, you mean like benefits of benchmarking come on roy oh contraire <laughs> yeah yeah there are some so if, if you if you actually uh decided right to put a straitjacket around your benchmarking efforts and say okay they're here to be used to improve the efficiency of my business not the strategy but the efficiency of my business so i i think i'm inefficient in terms of the billing process i think i'm inefficient in terms of accounts payable a fulfillment order fulfillment There may be opportunities for you to look at uh, a process that somebody else is using and adopt it. However, I would suggest, okay, that in the process you always have in your mind, the, the, the question, okay, how can I take this idea that I mentioned earlier and actually morph it into something different? How can I squeeze the benefits out of benchmarking and yet add a component of strategic value based on differentiation okay if you can do that then in fact I think you're uh, you're you're on the right right course mm-hmm. but most people stop at just the copying thing and right. they try to emulate it and they get themselves into as I said strategic hell
0: so, you know, you, you break away from benchmarking and you look at innovation on how it's going to help your strategy. So uh, what do you think are the key things that a business can do to have an innovation culture and, and make that happen?
1: Well, it has you have to lead with being different from best in class. Right. You mm-hmm. can't lead with just adopting benchmarking and applying it to strategy and assuming that you somehow are going to get these incredible insights strategically and, and have these strategic gains and opportunities, because it just won't happen. You're fooling yourself. Okay. Uh, and and also, of course, you're just increasing the herd of sameness when you do it, which, mm. again, kind of leads you to the same outcome. It needs to start with thinking about being different uh, from best in class, having tries as a key performance indicator in the business, I mean, innovation is not built, or rarely built on singular ideas and and, and silver bullets. And Hail Mary passes it's basic on trying things and doing stuff and learning from them, and then trying them again. And so what I want people to think about is, think about coveting being different from breed, not best of breed. Okay? Being different from everybody as opposed to best of everybody because the reality is you can't define best anyways and there's no inherent strategic value in best as we've talked about it's claptrap it doesn't say anything and so you want to carve yourself a position where you're the only ones that do what you do and it starts with coveting being different think about doing what others are not doing don't think about doing what works for them Think about not doing what works for them. Think about doing something different from that, and all of a sudden it starts to unlock the creative juices, and it starts to unlock an innovation culture that that you need. Look, I'm a fan of of being contrarian, as people probably have figured that out by now. I don't particularly like going with the flow. I kind of like going against the flow, and and being contrarian is an opportunity to actually unlock innovation in a business okay to actually ask the question what is best of breed doing what would be the implications of going 180 degrees opposite to what they're they're doing okay and there's examples around of this i mean i've talked about the the heart attack grill in las vegas right which is based on consuming unhealthy calories so they've said okay the world is going a certain way in terms of health and building businesses around that. I'm going to do a 180. There's also an example that you put me on to the other day that I find absolutely intriguing. And you may want to just say a few words about this. And that's the United Church of Bacon. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay, The United Church of Bacon has over 30,000 members. Okay, it is exactly 180 to the typical way we think about Religion and churches, okay, and and they're unlocking the imagination of people. They're doing wonderful things in the world, all right, in terms of charity work, etc. But it's all premised on something that that is is contrary. You may want to just add a couple of thoughts to that because I love the well, idea. Exactly. Well, you know, uh, uh, some people
0: thought my PhD was in towels, corks, and Tibetan pastry, but. Um, I do have, uh, holding in front of me, uh, the United Church of Bacon presents the doctorate of theology in baconism to Ian Tate as a doctorate of sacred bacon theology on this date, the January 31st, 2023, and is hereby authorized to call themselves a bacon doctor and use the suffix PhD. So, you know, oh. this, this was a 10 question quiz on their website. But as I dove into their website, I found out what they're for and what they're not. Right, this is not an organized church. This is a, and 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 yet, uh, and and they pay taxes and they don't pay anything to their uh, to their employees. They're not about money grabbing. They're about doing good, and they have like forty thousand members worldwide. So it was uh, it was it was a thing, and I saw this uh, from a. Uh, a social media post on one of their uh, showing one of their billboards that they place around town. So I just thought that was something and, um, and uh, just
1: amazing. And you know, this, this certificate is on my
0: wall holding a place of honor.
1: <laughs> so well, see there of- there there's a great example. And, and thank you for sharing that because it's a great example of what I'm talking about. Looking where the flow is going and asking the question what are the opportunities of going completely against it right in a way that adds value and satisfies what people care about okay so this isn't just going against the flow for the sake of going against the flow the end game is always always to being the to be the only one that that provides unique value to the to the customers that you're choosing to serve yeah and would be what they care about so 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 contrarianism actually is getting a, a really bad rap in many respects and in part it's because the people that are practicing the, the contrary ideas they don't have it in the right context but i've i've discovered and others uh, that there's true opportunities the other thing i would say if you want an innovative culture start purging boilerplates from your toolbox and start mm. breaking new ground Innovation is about new ground, it's not about boilerplates, which really ends up to be a manifestation of, of copying. Every time you use a boilerplate, going back to Herman's statement, you just increase strategic convergence and you're getting closer to strategic hell. So stay away mm-hmm. from boilerplates. They're not the kinds of things that that you wanna look at. And lastly, Ian, as, as far as leadership is concerned, I think if you want an innovative culture, you need to change the conversation that's going on in the organization, okay? Purging the notion of benchmarking and copying as ways of achieving strategic progress. By asking these kind of questions, these specific kinds of questions, I used to do this all the time. What can we do to be different and stand out from the crowd of competitors? How does what you're proposing make us stand out from the competition and be special to our customers? So every time, An employee comes to you with an idea that affects the strategy or direction or journey that your organization on, ask the question, how does it make us different? How does it make us stand out? Where did you get the idea? Did you get it from breaking new ground? Did you get it from from being a contrarianism? Did you get it by by injecting discontinuities into the past? Where did you get it? Did you get it from breaking away or breaking in? Where did Mm. you get it? That conversation needs to go on. How many times did you use Google to find an idea? <laughs> All right. And the other thing is, the third question is, what crazy thing is a, is a different business to ours doing? Right, which is a bit of copying thinking going on, but it also goes to the next step. And how can we use the basics of that idea and morph it into a special idea, coolness, for us so look for a crazy idea out there if you're going to look for an idea and then ask yourself the question how can i be crazier how can i be uh, how can i break away from that crazy notion right of uh, of a heart attack grill right of the of the of, of the church of bacon and do something even crazier
0: exactly okay, So that's
1: an element of crazy benchmarking applying a cool twist to us i think that there might be some legitimate value in that process as it relates to uh, to trying to build an innovative culture. Hmm.
0: So, so why do you think most organizations continue to use benchmarking as a tool?
1: Because they've always done it that way.
0: They've always done it that they've way. They've always
1: done it that way. Uh, I, I'll give you three three specifics in addition to that. First yep. of all, it's easy to copy. Hmm. It's really hard to create. And so typically, you know, we we tend to gravitate towards what's easy, right? As opposed to what's right. That would be one reason. The second is I think a lot of organizations are comfortable at the tactical level. And don't forget this this tool is a tool of tactics, okay? As opposed to creating a strategic level of thought Okay, that that describes the journey and heading west with all of the programs and so forth that you need to get there with execution as a focus benchmarking is is a a tactical thing it's an immediate gratification thing it's easy to do you can see the results. And look at people love chasing yummy I call yummy incoming tactical stuff that descends and we chase and chase and chase it I tend to put benchmarking in that category only because it's tactical and has no strategic value at all. Mm. And the third piece, which is kind of an, I guess, which is kind of like a statement, more about a societal uh, kind of thing. And that is when you're benchmarking, you won't get judged by your peers from by using it, because it's an accepted thing. Benchmarking is inculcated in society Everybody copies, everybody uses it. And so when you do, you won't get criticized for doing it. And we like it when we're not criticized. We like it when we're accepted. We like being part of the herd. Some people do, but if you want to break away from that and dispose of it, then you're going to attract attention. <laughs> some businesses don't like that because mm-hmm. there's risk involved and some businesses are risk averse. And so I think that that it's kind of like, you're 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 ground into the momentum of the 50s or the 60s the 70s the 80s right right up to now yeah with with a tactic and a process that everybody uses and it's hard not to use it in spite of the fact that it produces no strategic benefits no benefits to differentiation no opportunities to be the only one that does what you do Mm. and for that it's the wrong thing to do. And I would just say to members listening to this, look at, ask people in your organization what they can do without copying. Ask them, as I said earlier, go find a crazy, insane thing that somebody's doing and then be different from that. Mm. Ask the question, what are we doing to stand out? Right, and be different from the competition.
0: Yeah, so so, so instead of benchmarking, you want to look at every one of your competitors or every other organization that does what you do and take a look at all of their tactics that I'm sure are announced and pronounced and celebrated somewheres and then don't do that
1: well you want to you want to you break away there may be some value in what they're doing yeah but you need to take it to the next step which says okay I'm going to morph it now right into a be different world okay, yeah. that has an only opportunity and an immense strategic value. So I'm just saying suck in the vortex of the momentum and right. spew out competitive differentiation and be the only one that does what you do. Then I'm willing to talk about the benefits of benchmarking, but mm-hmm. use in and of themselves. They're worthless in terms of, of of the journey that we've been talking about, Ian. They're not worthy of consideration when you're trying to be different in a world where everybody's the same and nobody stands out. And yet that's where the opportunities are. Hmm. And that's why we exist as an association to help our members do that.
0: Exactly. Well, you heard it here first, folks, Uh, vortex spew and differentiation in the same sentence, but you know, (laughs) you need the context. So if you're not listening, if you didn't hear that, you know, turn this uh, podcast on again, and share it with somebody who needs the uh, who needs this kind of information. Roy, uh, that's a wrap. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed our podcast today. We'll be back again soon with another How to Be Different tip as part of our Audacious Learning Ways podcast. Have a great business day and an even better National Animal Cracker Day.
1: Goodbye, Roy. Goodbye, Ian. Enjoy your animal crackers. Oh, yum, yum.